Yo, what's crack like in Regeneration? Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight we sit down with the overall winner of the Big Turtle 50 miler and the new women's course record holder, Michelle Magania. Michelle's from Michigan and she took home the overall win running 808 and beat second place by 30 plus minutes. Uh, we dive into her race, we dive into her training leading up to the Western States 100 this year, as well as her golden ticket win at the Bandera 100K. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. What is up, Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to our newest episode of Ridge Runners Live. We are joined tonight by Michelle Magana, the overall winner. You heard me right, the overall winner of the Big Turtle 50 miler uh, down there in Kentucky. Really, really great race. A lot of Ridge Runner Nations, uh, Ridge Runner Nation members, excuse me, were out there running on the course that day. Already heard a ton of great stories, and we are so stoked and excited that Michelle decided to come on the show tonight and share her story with us. Uh, it seemed like it was a really epic day out there. And we can't wait to hear about it. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Of course. Happy to have you. Uh, as always, I am Cam Wrench. I am your host tonight. No longer the sixth man, now the guy whose Subaru broke down on the Promised Land 50K course. Um, keeping that claim to fame for the rest of my life. Join tonight, uh, coming to us out there in Ta, Wesley Harton. How are you doing? Doing really well, Cam. I'm excited to talk to Michelle about this race. You know, this is a race that I've kind of had penciled on my calendar a couple of different times now. So I'm excited to kind of learn about like what the course is like and just kind of just the environment that was down at uh, the Big Turtle a couple of weekends ago. So I'm excited to kind of dive into this one. As always, how we start things off uh, with what is everyone drinking tonight? Michelle, if you want to start things off. Yep, I got my glass of plain old boring water tonight. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Cam, are you on the same speed tonight? Um, not exactly on the same speed. I have got my standard now sleepy time tea in this lovely baby Yoda mug that my little sister bought for me. Just going to show that off real quick here. Um, yeah, I have not had a good night of sleep in about a week. So here's hoping that this works out for me. Okay. Definitely pull in for you. I did decide to crack open a beer tonight. So I'll have the worthy uh, secret spot Pacific pale ale uh, from Bend, Oregon. So first time having this one. So I'm excited to see how that goes. But uh, Cam, if you want to kind of dive into the first question. Yeah, of course. And so we actually, we want to start out uh, tonight, Michelle, just by like talking about how you got interested in running and trail running in the first place, you know, like not everybody just hop straight into 50 milers and start starts winning those things. Right. So where did you kind of, uh, find running and how did that look for you? Yeah, I, I did not run at all as a kid. I picked it up later in life. Um, I think the first time I actually remember like going out and going for a run of my own choice was not until my senior year of college over winter break. And I don't even know why. I think I was just home and bored and cooped up, but I definitely went for two or three runs that winter break and then forgot about it, went back to school and didn't start running regularly until the following fall. Um, I started veterinary school and I had a classmate who was looking for someone to run with. So I started running with her. Um, and so that's when I really started running regularly. It was you know, maybe four or five times a week. We weren't going very far for four to six miles probably. And I started doing 5Ks and 10Ks and trained for my first marathon, my second year of vet school. And then I saw on a race calendar from our local running store that they had a 50K and 50 mile trail race. And I was so into that. I was like, oh man, you can run on trails and like further than 26.2 miles. And so I signed up for the 50 miler. And I trained for it during my clinical rotations in vet school, which was like suboptimal to be honest um you're pretty busy and mm -hmm. I, I had no idea what I was doing like I'd never run on trails before I didn't know anyone who ran on trails I didn't know anyone who ran ultras I pulled like a basic training program for 50 miles off the internet and tried to follow it and yeah I did all right like I did the mileage but I was awful about like actually going out to trails to do the runs just because like in the weekends and at school um you're either on call and you have to be by the hospital or like you're actually working a shift where you're intaking patients over the weekends or you have patients that are in the hospital and like you're still responsible for them, right? The animals don't take Saturday and Sunday off. So like no one's going to be 
walking your sick llama for you at seven o'clock on Saturday morning. Like you gotta be there. So I, most of my long runs were honestly done on the Michigan state campus. Like I would run circles around the campus and there's, there's not a hill to be had in that thing. So I was woefully unprepared for my first race, but I went out, I did it and you know, it worked out. I've it's in six years now, I think I've been running ultras and I'm loving it even more and more each year. Yeah, that's really great. I do, I do love your comment about animals not taking the days off because I, and I mean, maybe we're working with different animals right here, or at least in my mind, you know, cause I, all I think about is how, when I was living with my sister, the dogs did not help us pay rent once, you know, they never had a day on. So, <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, um, you know, with that said, you said you were really excited about the idea of running like on a trail right? And going further than 26.2. Did you think that finding out about that trail race, did that connect two things for you? Were you already outdoorsy or were you just looking to go beyond the marathon and do something more challenging or maybe more suited to your skills? Yeah, I did a lot of hiking and backpacking in college. Um, I had a lot more time in undergrad than in vet school. Um, And then honestly, I was a lot closer to trails. I did my undergrad in Pennsylvania and there were a bunch of trails you could get to like right off the campus. Whereas in East Lansing, Michigan state, you really have to drive for at least 20 to 30 minutes to get to a decent trail system there. Um, And so I was kind of missing that in my life in vet school. I'd been outside and running on campus, which helped, but it wasn't out in the woods. And so that was kind of a way to put the two of them together. Yeah. And I, I kind of had a a similar thing. Um, I started running to get in shape and then, you know, like I already loved being in the outdoors and I was like, wait, you can do both of these things. And then there's like snacks too. Right. Like, so that's a really, I think that's a really familiar story. Um, what would you say was sort of the biggest takeaway from that first ultra? You know, you talked about how, well, I did the mileage, but I didn't run enough on trails because just life wouldn't let me. Right. We understand, you know, when life gets in the way, because it often does. What did you What did you take away from that first fifty miler that you've sort of been applying? Well, besides that, I should probably run on trails before I drive jewelries. <laughs> I generally do that now. Um, you know, I I started that one. I had a really good experience that first race, probably because I started way too slow. Like I read that you should walk a lot and walk all the hills. So like I spent the first half of that race doing a significant portion of walking. And then I like ran all of the second half and probably had a significant negative split. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think I've carried that forward, at least in the rest of my races that um, rather than going out too hard, if I take it easy and make a conscious effort to take it easy in the early miles, I generally have more fun and overall have a better race. Mm -hmm. And so with all of that said, right, like you didn't just kind of go, go to this race, right? You, you won this race, in fact, finished fifth overall. Is that correct? Yes, but it was, <laughs> there weren't that many people running. <laughs> I mean, that, that might be fair, right? But like, I've been at races where there haven't been that many people running and I'm still in no danger of winning, right? Yeah, but, so, so with you, that said, right. Uh, just Wesley, go for it. You go. No, I was going to say like <laughs> 852 for your first fifties. Awesome. And then kind of going back to back at that, at the race again, you know, second year going to the second year where you ran 830 at that race, dancing with the dirt uh, in 50, 50 miler there. Uh, was there anything you took over in a year two there that was kind of uh, carried with you? Compared to the first year? Correct. Yeah, I well, I got horribly lost the first year. Someone switched one of the signs on purpose, which apparently is a thing that happens sometimes at that race that you just know um, if you run it year after year. And so a bunch of us went off course the first year and we had to backtrack and that added a bit of time. Um, and that didn't happen the second year. So I'm sure that helped. But I also like I knew the course and it's a, it's still one of my favorite races that I've ever run. Like I think probably about 75% of it is on trails. And then there's a few dirt roads in there. And then the rest of it is off trail. Like you're following ribbons through the woods, you're going through cornfields, you spend a quarter of a mile going upstream in a river, which for me, I'm like not quite five, four. It was up to my rib cage the whole time. Like, it's just a ton of fun. It's not a very fast race, but it's, um, it's got a lot of different terrain. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so with that said, let's get on to, um, to the 50 mile that we came here to talk about, right? Big turtle. Um, the one that you won first overall, right? Not just, uh, won the women's race. How and why did you decide to run the big turtle 50 miler? Yes. So this race was, or is part of a buildup for a hundred miler that I'm doing at the end of June. Um, and so I was looking mostly for the 50 mile distance in a certain time frame and in a certain geographic area. And ideally I was looking for one in the Midwest, um, mm-hmm. but there's really none to be had this time of year. So I was trying to find one that I could drive to. I was, I was picking out this race last November um, and like I'm vaccinated for COVID now. I could have gotten on a plane, but I didn't know back then when or mm-hmm. if I would be vaccinated and what the COVID situation would be like. So I really, I was looking for something that I could, could get to as locally as possible. And this one fit in my work schedule. It was 50 miles. It was about a seven hour drive. I said, all right, I'm doing it. And so that's how I ended up here. Yeah, that that's great. I know a lot of us do pick races in sort of a similar way. I'm headed down there for another race myself, sort of to throw another 50 in before a hundred. Although I might just be running some 100. It rimmed a river. We love those folks, right? Like Love you, Bryant. Um, but you're also not just running some 100. It's the Western States 100, right? Yes, and my first 100 miler. <laughs> big one. Yeah, that is a big one. And so when thinking about that, did you ever think about, you know, maybe I want to do a flatter, more runnable race? Oh, let me go south to Kentucky because it's going to be hotter? Or was it just, you know, it's got to fit in the work schedule and I got to be able to drive there? Mostly it was, it's got to fit in the work schedule. I got to be able to drive there, but I did think the heat would help. That obviously wasn't the case this year. It was cold and raining for mm-hmm. a good portion of the race. We can get the heat, but that yeah. would have, that would have been an added benefit. I think I'm going to struggle a bit maybe with the heat training up in Michigan. We've been pretty chilly lately. So let's kind of dive into like a little deep dive of how your day kind of played out. Take us through like what the environment was like when you got to the uh, starting line. What was it like with you the other night before? Was the packet pickup kind of lively? Uh, just take us through like all the pre-race happenings at this race. Sure. I drove down with my mom the night before um, and they had, they had some pretty strict COVID protocols in place for this race. And so packet pickup, you actually had to sign up ahead of time for like a window to come in and get your packet. And it's literally just in and out. Don't hang around in the building if you don't have to. Um, and same thing race morning, you had to check in and then you're just waiting around, waiting for the start line. And they had us all really spread out. They required masks at the start, um, which is good. Um, they did. As far as I can tell, I haven't run that many races since COVID, but they did a pretty good job with all of their COVID protocols. It looked like it went as smoothly as possible. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of weird being in like a race situation with a bunch of people again. It's like, it's been so long. I was not used to it and everyone's wearing masks, but, but yeah, it, it didn't take too long to get back into it and get used to it. Other than that, it was pretty typical for, for an start of an ultra. Just everyone hanging around waiting to, Start walking once you <laughs> hit mm-hmm. start. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we know that you're you're doing this race as training for a bigger race that you've got your eye on. But did you go into this with any specific goals other than I'm doing a 50 miler? It's part of training for Western States, or were you like I'm going to win this? I'm going to run this time. I'm going to like steal the Strava KOM on this climb. Was there any of that? No, there was mostly, it was just like put together a decent race and see about how good I can feel doing it. Um, I wasn't, I'm never sure how I'll stack up with other competition, right? Like you just don't know. I, I go out and I run my own race and wherever that lands me in the field, that it is what it is. Um, and I'll, I'll compete once I'm out there, but I usually don't go into a race saying, yes, I think like, I'm going to go out and win this whole thing, or I'm going to get this specific time. I just, I don't know. It's not really my style. Like those types of goals. And I go more by feel, I think. Yeah, definitely. It kind of got to uh, the next question I was planning to ask there, but it was, you know, when you showed up to this race, right. Did you, did you plan on running out front and you say you wanted to run your own race, but once things started to shake out, right. Like how, when does that competitive drive kick in for you? You know, was it like mile 10 when you're like, oh, here's where I am and here's where I need to be? Or was it uh, more till 
towards the end of the race? It varies race to race. This one, I I started really slow in this race. I wasn't feeling great in the beginning. I like walked and ran really slowly for the first 10 to 15 miles, honestly. Um, and I started feeling more of a competition fire in the second half. Like it's an out and back course. So once we got to the turnaround and I actually saw who was in front of me and kind of how far they were in front of me, that's when I started um, started moving a bit more of a clip. And I like chasing people. So I enjoyed that was kind of fun on the second half getting to chase down um, the people that were in front of me or trying my best to. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, you, I would say that you did your best too, because you did chase everybody down, but you know, um, that that's a really good point in that if you can see your competition, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more motivating because you know exactly sort of like where they are and who they are. But before going into that turnaround point, you said you weren't feeling so good. What was, um, what was your attitude then sort of like once you hit that turnaround? You know, was it, did you kind of like in your head tell yourself, like, I'm flipping the switch, I'm chasing people down, or was it still, I'm running my own race, they're going to come back, you know, like, was it more calm or was it kind of aggressive? It was calm, although I was a little grumpy at the turnaround that, so I don't know if like the course was long or if my watch was way off, but we were supposed to hit the turnaround at like a little after 25 miles and for a total 50 mile race. And like going out to that last aid station, like my watch hit 25 miles and then it hit 26 miles and then it hit 27 miles. Like, oh man, where is this aid station? And by the time I got there, my watch was at 27 and a half. So at that point I'm like, all right, like I'm running 55 miles today or like my watch is going to try to tell me that I'm running 55 miles today. And either one, I don't really like, <laughs> like I'm tired and it's starting to rain and just kind of, Oh, <laughs> so I, yeah, I kind of like I kind of took a second at that A station. I was like, "All right, Michelle, pull your head out of your butt and like just start running." And then I I started um I started getting into it and starting chasing down the people in front of me, and I kind of forgot and put that out of my head. But yeah, that it wasn't definitely was not a flip right at the turnaround. I was kind of feeling low there. So we have our first chat question tonight. It comes from Max Gavazzi. He asks, when you passed Jared and Ben for first place, did you know that you were going to win by looking at their pace compared to yours? Or did it feel like it was going to be a challenge to keep your lead uh, on them? He says that he remembered cheering you on and telling you that you were only a few minutes back when you were around mile 28 and he was around mile 22. Yes, I think I remember that. So I passed them um, right coming out of the... Um, the third aid station, which is 15 miles ish from the finish, I think. And I passed them on that set of hills coming out of that. And I was running up the hill and they were walking. And so I knew at that point that I was comfortable continuing to run as many of the hills as I could, as long as they weren't too muddy. And I thought I had them there, but I knew that they were outpacing me still like just naturally their stride is longer and faster than me on the flats. Um, especially, I don't know which one of them, some, one of them was rather tall and, he like before coming into that aid station when he was running he was still putting distance on me like he'd stop and walk for a bit I'd catch up to him and then he'd start to run and he was gone um so I was I was a little unsure and I was a little nervous there's a road section um between that aid station and the next aid station that was fairly long like two and a half miles and I knew if they started to open up and run on the roads that I might be in trouble so I tried to run that fast (laughs) um but yeah I think I think there were enough hills and I think they were they were walking most of the hills is what it looked like to me at that point. And I, I think that that gave me enough of a cushion that I was able to get away from them. Yeah, that's really great. And so um, you say the rain started coming down right around the turnaround point. How did you prepare for that? Did you look at the weather going into this race? I notoriously am a person who won't look at the weather. Um, did you have like a drop bag with a jacket or were you just kind of going with the flow? Like, Hey, now it's raining. Like it is what it is. Yeah. My gosh. I did not prepare well for the weather. So I, I'm not great at looking at the weather before race either. Although my mother is, and she was like telling me every day, she's like, Michelle, did you see the forecast has changed? It's now 80% chance of rain. I'm like, Oh, thanks mom. (laughs) So I was getting like daily mom weather updates for Moorhead, Kentucky going into this. Um, but I did. I packed 
a variety of things. I did pack my raincoat and my gosh, I like worried myself to death over what I was going to do with this raincoat starting the race. I was like, do I wear it? Do I tie it around my waist? Do I give it to my mom? Do I put it in my drop bag? I don't know. Finally, I decided to, um, to put it in my drop bag at the turnaround because I didn't think it was going to start raining until then. And I didn't want to wear it because I call my raincoat the greenhouse because it's like you put it on, it's so hot. It doesn't breathe at all. Like I just, I really did not want to wear it if I didn't have to. Um, and so I got it out of my drop bag at mile 25, tied it around my waist and started raining shortly thereafter. And I spent the rest of the race trying to decide whether I wanted to put the darn thing on or not. I ended up running like 22 miles in the rain with it tied around my waist, which is like, might as well have just like left it in Michigan at that point. (laughs) Yeah. So don't take rainy weather tips from me when you're running races. I mean, it is a nice accessory kind of at the end of the day. I remember, you know, like elementary school, that was a big look, the hoodie tied around the waist, but yeah. Um, Definitely get that feeling with rain jackets just being like, I'm more wet from sweat now all of a sudden than I would have just been in the rain. Yeah, it was an awkward temperature too. It was like upper 40s. Like mm-hmm. it was just cold enough that I was uncomfortable. I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Um, but like I knew if I put the thing on, I was just going to overheat. And so I didn't really know what to do. So I just ran with it tied around my waist and got soaking wet. That's what ended up happening. So one thing I'm kind of curious about is you mentioned kind of the climbs and how you were able to run up them so effectively. How do you do, do you think that was like a mental thing that you had or like how, why do you think you're such a good climber kind of coming from Michigan uh, to a race like Kentucky, you know, where people are kind of like local at this race and, you know, they have these big climbs accessible to them. Uh, how, how do you, how did that play in the race? And did you like seriously run every single climb at the end of the race? Cause if so, that is going to just absolutely bonkers and incredible. Well, thanks. Yeah, I ran as many of them as I could. There were a couple that were super muddy that you were just kind of sliding around and you couldn't really run. Um, I don't know. Like, like where I live, it's super flat. Like, there's no, I do not run hills regularly. Um, I have to go out of my way to find a hill. But I've always, I've always done all right on them. And I think, like, genetically, I have a more muscular build, and I'm pretty sure that helps a lot. Um, but I don't know. They, they've always been a strength of mine. I just just got lucky genetically, I think, I guess, but hills have, have never been that big of a deal to me. I'm sure I'm going to eat my words when I go out to States, but (laughs) we'll see. Maybe you should be at a hard rock and then uh, instead of States. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Kind of going off that Mike Anderson has a question in the chat. He says, please ask Michelle how she handled the last five miles of this race. You know, the constant up and downs, the sloppy track and the uh, final switchbacks. I went very slow down those final switch tracks. I figured if I fell off the edge of one of those, I might as well just like rolled all the way down the hill to the finish line. So those were really steep. Um, but yeah, I just, um, at that point, all I wanted were dry clothes and chips. And so I was just kind of like on autopilot, like let's get there as fast as we can. Um, and I, I think there were a couple of hills that were, they were getting a little slick. And so I was kind of like, run, walk a few steps when it was getting slippery, run the rest of it. Um, and then, yeah, I did like a super embarrassing slow jog walk shuffle down that last switchback hill. That one was super steep and super slick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely looking at the the race profile for this, you're, you're starting going up something super, super steep. And you'd think that like, that's a good thing. And I've heard people say that that's a good thing. Specifically it was Max who's in the chat here tonight. And I was just like, I don't believe you because 49 point whatever miles into a race, I don't look at a super steep downhill and be like, oh, this is fun. I can't wait to go down this. Yeah, I don't know. It might have been more fun if it was dry, but it was pretty slick. And, you know, starting out on it, it was nice because it forces you to start slowly. Like pretty much everyone walked that first hill Mm -hmm. and took it really easy. Um, So it's a nice way to kind of ease into the race. You're not going too hot off the line. Mm-hmm. At what point did you kind of know, like, so you're coming down to the final to the finish there. At what point, maybe it was a couple miles out, did you know, oh, I'm actually going to win this this race? Uh, when did it finally become a reality for you uh, and finally sink in? The people at um, the aid stations were telling me what place I was in. 
So I kind of knew where I was. And I had turned around and looked um, at the aid station that was 10 miles from the finish. Didn't see, because you can see for a while, past there down the road. It's a long stretch. I didn't see anyone coming behind me. So I thought I made it safely out of the road section without getting caught. And then I knew that that last section was pretty hilly. And if I just kept running it, I figured I'd be fine. So really, really the last five miles in, I was pretty sure they something was going to have to go wrong um, on my end for that to end otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so then what was coming into the finish line like? I know COVID races, there's not been the usual fanfare, the festivities at these finish lines. And you mentioned before that just being around all of these people, even outdoors and masked up was a little bit odd. What was it like actually crossing the line coming in first overall? Yeah, it was, it was not that many people, right? It's raining and 40 degrees in COVID. So it was just me crossing the finish line and there were the, the race directors, a few volunteers and my mom with an umbrella. And I sat down and I had something to drink and something to eat. And then I was freezing cold. So I did not hang around long. I wouldn't put on some dry clothes. But yeah, I mean, it felt surprisingly similar to what other race finishes have felt like, but like weird and empty at the same time. I don't know if I'm describing that very well. But and, and then everyone was wearing a mask as well. And you they asked you to put on a mask for the finish too. So that's kind of new. I spent running into the shoot trying to like hook my mask up to my ears. <laughs> So uh, one thing I'm kind of curious about, and the, for people that have never run this race, you know, there's probably a couple of people out there, um, but they should definitely get out there and run this one. Uh, what's one thing that you kind of didn't realize out on the course going into the race that you were kind of like, oh, wow, this is kind of a super neat aspect of this race that kind of just like surprised you out there? Definitely the terrain. Like I looked at the elevation profile. And I'm like, oh, that looks kind of hilly. And you get out there and those are some nice hills. Like they're steep and they're variety of them but they're still runnable for the most part and they, it was just a lot of fun and even just the trail itself like my gosh uh, I would love to have a trail like that coming off of my college campus like just go for 25 miles on it from there like that's a that's a gem man <laughs> plus the trail has turtle markings and that was fun I enjoyed seeing those on the trees <laughs> that's good yeah and so with that said, right, what was um, the thing that was most surprising for you during this race? You know, we know you really approached it like really low key, but like what what sort of like caught you off guard, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. I wasn't expecting five extra miles, whether they were real or whether my watch made them up. Uh, that that definitely threw me a little more than it normally does. Um, but like in terms of my own personal performance I wasn't I wasn't expecting to run as well as I did like I never really felt good like nothing clicked during that race for me it was kind of a weird race it was just kind of a grind the whole time and it was surprising but pleasantly surprising to feel like that but to still be able to like run the race and put it together like it's great, right? When you run a race and you feel good and it's fun, but it's also nice to know that you can not feel good and run a race and get it done. Yeah, bit of absolutely. a confidence builder. Mm -hmm. And so when you say it felt more like a grind and things didn't click, was that was that physically? Was that mentally? I mean, was it a combination of the two? Were you just kind of like, okay, well, I'm executing. You know, you weren't really like having fun or like in a flow state. Yeah, definitely. There was no flow state in this race. It was probably a bit of both. Like physically, I didn't feel great. And mentally, I just never really like, yeah, I never hit the flow state. I usually I run pretty happy and I kind of ran mediocre meh kind of if that makes sense. Like I, mm -hmm. I wasn't super negative, but there were definitely more negative thoughts of, oh, I'm not sure I can do this that I'm used to. And I don't know if that's just because I haven't raced in forever um, or what, but worked through it. And I, I bet, I'm hoping the next race will be better or at least feel yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, definitely understand that. And so with that said, you were kind of met all day long. Was there any moment where you were out on the course that day and you were just like, man, this is fun. 
you know, or like anything that like really made you smile or was it just kind of like, eh, like the weather's terrible. Like I want to eat potato chips and be dry. Oreos at the aid stations made me smile. No, there were plenty of things that made me smile. Like I always, there's always fun stuff to see on trail runs, right? Like it's spring. There were beautiful flowering trees. I heard an oven bird, which we weren't getting up in Michigan yet. We have them up there now, but, um, and I think a yellow warbler, which was also really exciting. And I loved the downhills. It's fun to run fast downhill. And I enjoyed some of the climbs and there were a couple, there's a really cool section of the course in the middle where you're kind of going in and out and across all these creeks. And I thought that was a lot of fun too. So, and that bridge that you go over this bridge at mile 13, that's like this fun little suspension bridge. And I enjoyed that. Photos from that looked awesome. I, I, we were kind of seeing those pop up with this different social medias over the weekend. And uh, this is definitely kind of cool to see those bridge photos. Yeah. Uh, Michael Gamp has a question in the chat and he asks, any chance that Michelle is going to come run the Shawnee 50 miler this October? Uh, and that race is in Southern Ohio with 11,000 feet of elevation gain. Oh, tell me more. Never heard about it. Sounds interesting though. What is it? <laughs> it's over. Oh man, you don't know the can of worms you just opened with this. Group. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. It's going to be a third year event. Uh, last year was obviously canceled, but uh, yeah, it's a fifty miler in Ohio, uh, eleven thousand feet. But all of the climbs are just two hundred seventy to four hundred feet, and so I mean, it's just up and down the whole time. There's like eighteen climbs that are like that that steep and that uh wild but uh there's not a ton of flat running in that race but uh, where in ohio man where are you getting that kind of elevation and <laughs> it's, so it's actually just across the river from kentucky just outside of west portsmouth you okay. don't go there on the course but i think there's parts of the shawnee state forest where you're like oh i i can see kentucky now you know it's that kind of place yeah i'm running so i'm running a 50 miler at the end of august that might be a little close for me but I will put it on my list for the following year. Sounds like fun. Yeah, there's also, I think there's going to be a 50K this year as well. It has 6,000 feet. And that's the first year they're doing the 50K at this race too. So uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see uh, everyone out there at that race. But I kind of want to talk about, you know, your confidence from this race, obviously going into Western states. Uh, what is that going to be like for you? Obviously, it's got to feel pretty good uh, coming in here. And you, I know you're kind of, this, you said how you like to kind of run your own race. You're not going to be too caught up in, you know, what everyone else is doing. But what are some of your goals going into that race this year? Number one is finish. Um, I've never run that just I've never run further than hundred K before. Um, so usually the first time doing a distance, um, I tend to take it a little easier and just make sure I can finish. I would assume that's probably what I'm going to do with States, but I don't know It being States, it might be harder to not just, you know, push yourself a little bit harder than I may be intending in the beginning. Um, but I, I'd like to finish. I'd like to not completely die in the heat. And man, I just want to have a good time. Like I'm excited. I have a few friends that are coming out to crew me and my family and it's, man, it's going to be really fun to be there. It's a race that I've wanted to do ever since I've known about it. And I just, yeah, I can't believe I'm actually running it this June. <laughs> Doesn't feel real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely can't imagine the, the thought of being in Western States. Does that, um, what is that sort of like, what is that thought process like for you? You know, you've talked about like, it's something you've wanted to do since you like found out about ultra running, you know, were you specifically targeting, like going for the golden ticket being like, I it's because I want to do Western States or did you just want to run Bandera? Like maybe just get in through the lottery later. What was that like process? Yeah. So I ended up at Bandera because um, a group of my trail running friends from our group, our local group here in Michigan, were going down there to um, run it and get their qualifier to put their name in the lottery. And so I figured I can travel this year. This is a race I want to do. I might as well just start putting my name in the lottery. So like maybe a decade later, I can actually run it. And so I had gone with them with the intent of just getting a finish and getting my name in the lottery. And um, I had a good day and ended up in second and got the golden ticket. And so that was a little earlier than I was anticipating running hundred and running States, but man, I'm not, you can't turn that down. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, I should have run it last year, but of course it got canceled. So I've had, you know, an additional year to stew on it and get ready. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so with that, 
With that said, where do you think you're taking your training now following Big Turtle 50 Mile? Do you, is there anything specifically you know from this race that you want to work on? Or you're just sort of like, all systems go more the same. I'm going to see you in uh, California. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to probably continue building mileage. If I had an opportunity to work on heat training, I would love to do that. That has historically not been something I'm fabulous at. Um, but you know, I don't have gym or sauna access, so I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do other than hope it gets warm and <laughs> run when it's warm outside. Um, I guess I, I'm going to the training camp over Memorial Day weekend. So you run the last 70 miles of the course over three days. And I'm, I'm real excited about that. Um, but other than that, just, I'm just going to do what I can with what I have here and see how it shakes out in California in June. <laughs> what do you look forward to gaining most from that training camp uh, in a couple of weeks? Obviously, you know, it's going to be awesome to be out there with a lot of different runners, but like, what's one thing you just want to come out of that training camp with a bunch of confidence from? I think it's going to be really invaluable just to see the course. Yeah, I've never run out in California. I've never actually seen the course before. And just like being in there, seeing what it feels like, seeing what the trails feel like under my feet. I think I'm going to feel a lot more confident on race day, just knowing I've actually been there and covered those a significant portion of that trail at least once. Mm-hmm. And so with that said, then, um, have you ever been out West, been at elevation or anything like that? Cause people seem when they talk about Western States, they focus on, you know, Oh, you know, it's hot and it's runnable, but like you start the race by running up, you know, a ski slope, it starts in the mountains and then it runs down into the Valley. Yeah. So I have been at sea level my whole life. Um, so that is another unknown. Who knows what's going to happen? Luckily it's not too too high but i'm probably just gonna go out there and do the best i can then i can guarantee you i will be walking up that first hill not running it (laughs) but yeah i'm i'm hoping it won't end up being a huge deal for me but you never Mm -hmm. know (laughs) yeah and i mean there's there's some people who adapt better and some folks who haven't you know um was he's out there in utah now he he's living that lifestyle um finally adapted yeah (laughs) Mm-hmm. I've also never been to elevation. Uh, it took me like good two months, honestly. To I mean, I could run, but like running uphill for me was a big challenge. It just like didn't feel right. Like I've never run a hill in my life before, and I'm only at you know five thousand, six thousand feet just on general runs. But um, yeah, it was it was kind of a big change. But uh, I also could just be one of a kind. So <laughs> don't take my trading personally. I'm sure I'll be fine, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We definitely think you're one of a kind though, Leslie. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate that, Cam. (laughs) But yeah, so kind of going off that, uh, you know, when you, you did say you want to kind of do your own thing, but like, do you have any aspirations that are like, okay, I want to finish top 10 and possibly, you know, go back and can you doing this thing? Or uh, is it all about, you know, just finishing? I think the first year, just finishing. um, One of the things I've also like kind of, struggled with with trying to gauge where I'll end up in a race is like most of the racing I've done is very local to the Midwest and like if I win a race in Michigan like that's great but how does that measure up to like a larger competition especially some of the races out west um where the the competitive field especially the women's side is a lot deeper I just don't know so I feel like I'm still like really in the process of figuring that out and like what my abilities are compared to um a lot of other runners that aren't in my backyard because that's mostly where I've been racing. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a fair statement. And so with that said, let's talk a little bit about what the, the trail running community is like there in Michigan. Um, we know you got started in East Lansing. Is that where you're still at now? Nope. I'm in Portage, Michigan, which is right outside of Kalamazoo. So East Lansing is more on the East side of the state. Um, and now I'm over on the Southwest side of the state. So I didn't know of any groups on the east side of the state um, when I was there. I was pretty much on my own. And I was really pleasantly surprised a few years ago when I moved out to Portage to find that there's a huge group based about an hour north of me in Grand Rapids, the West Michigan Showrunners. Um, and they have group runs every Saturday. And I think I think they do one on Tuesdays as well. I don't go to that because I'm too far from me after work. Um, but I go to the Saturday ones. Um, 
fairly regularly and there's um there's a core group of people that's usually there and then other than that there's different people every time it's it's quite a large group and it's all ages all abilities all paces and it's been a really nice addition to my running life like um, so i don't have to just run all of my long runs alone if i don't want to which is what i had been doing in east lansing mm-hmm. and that's one of those weird things where you you find the trail running community where you don't expect it um or at the very least you find really strong pockets of it where you don't expect it and with that group, um, the Western Michigan Trail Runners, do you guys have like any local event that's like huge for you guys, like a store that you're conglomerated around? So um, Switchback Endurance is probably the main RD group in that area. There's a few smaller ones, but any event you go to, road or trail in the area, you're going to find multiple members of the community running and or volunteering, which is really nice. Like it's nice to be able to go out there and just see a bunch of friendly faces. You've done a bunch of different Michigan races. Now, if someone's like never done a Michigan ultra, you know, what are one or two that you would highly recommend that they have to check out? I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I haven't run this one yet, but this is the one I'm signed up for in August is the Marquette 50 mile. And I have just heard fabulous things about it. It's supposed to be rocky and difficult and beautiful. And I haven't done it yet, but I have a feeling it's probably going to be my favorite. So I'll recommend that one. Um, Another fun one is the North Country Trail Run up in the Manistee National Forest. Um, that one is nice. It's pretty cheap, and they give you, like, the biggest swag bag I've ever seen and free root beer floats at the end, which I love. And the trail is really nice. It's beautiful. It's hilly. Um, Manistee National Forest is gorgeous. Um, and other than that, there's a bunch of smaller ones, and it depends on what you're looking for. You can find stuff that's super flat. You can find stuff that's super hilly and rocky, sandy. And we have a variety of trails here. Where is the Marquette Trail 50 in, rel- in relation to uh, the state of Michigan? Like, what part is it in? It was in the UP, up in Marquette. So it's um, oh. kind of near the base of the, the Keweenaw. Gotcha. Oh, that, that's got to be an awesome area. I love the UP so much. Oh, man, it's great. <laughs> I'm really excited for that race. Yeah, you know where that's at, right? The, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan? Yes. Yes, I'm aware. Okay. Do, you, do you know why Michigan has is this little, do we need to have a little Wesley's history corner? <laughs> I mean, two guys from Ohio. <laughs> if, we, if we have 10 seconds, you know, I wouldn't mind, but <laughs> it's like, well, Ohio got Toledo. So Michigan got the upper peninsula. There was a big dispute. Oh, well, there we go. It's literally called the Toledo war. You should Wikipedia it sometime. <laughs> there we go. I do like Toledo too, though. They have a really fabulous zoo there. Have you been? No, I am not. You should go. <laughs> I, will, I will take your word for it. Um, but yeah. And so with that said, then, um, you know, we know that the upper part of Michigan is the much more natural part of the state. It's a lot more wild up there. It, that's where more of the outdoor recreation economy is similar to sort of like southeastern Ohio for us. Do you find that there's like a big trend of that's where a lot of people will go up to race or is a little more people, especially in Southern Michigan, they go to the other States, they go South to race. It depends on the person and what race they're going to. Um, Mm -hmm. You have more options. If you go South Um, Marquette 50 is the main race up in the UP. That's an ultra that I know they have a big, um, uh, the Marty Jezik 100, the bike race, and you can run it as a solo 100 mile or two, I think. But other than that, um, there actually aren't too many ultras up there. Um, but yeah, people kind of go everywhere. There's people that stay local. There's people that like bleed down into the southern states. There's people that are hopping on planes and you know going across the country to run. Um, but yeah, there's there is a big group of the West Michigan Trail Runners going up to Marquette this year. I think there's probably at least. 20 or so of us so it's a popular race and that one's hard to get into like you have to they open registration i think on black friday and you gotta be ready to go because everyone loves it that's awesome well we look forward to you know seeing hopefully a bunch of regeneration members up there as well at that race and it sounds like an awesome one that we may need to pencil in our calendars cam because that would be uh, a fun experience 
Uh, let's dive into our short, quick questions now. Uh, we've got a couple of fun questions that we kind of like to end the show with. Uh, I'm going to start off with, a, with an easy one here. What's one thing that you can't leave an aid station without? Oreos. Oreos. Sure. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, but, you know, another big question, you know, there's an important follow-up question when someone answers Oreos. Is it double stuffed or regular? Man, okay, so if, if I had my choice, it would be the S'moreo, like the S'mores flavor Oreo that they discontinued that I'm so sad about. Um, <laughs> but they only have regular Oreos at the aid stations, but always the double stuff. And even better than the double stuff are the mega stuff. And I could talk Oreo flavors with you forever <laughs> if you wanted. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what's one of your pre-race rituals? Usually all I'm trying to do before a race is like make sure I've eaten breakfast, have my clothes on straight and like have my number and know where I'm going and when I need to be there. I'm not much of a pre-race ritual person. Is there anything you do the night before or anything, anything special? I'm a big pint of ice cream the night before a race kind of guy. No, I've never tried that. I should, I guess once. That's (laughs) ridiculous. And also not something I knew. <laughs> it settles the nerves a little bit, you know. What flavor? Uh, it could be anything. Mint chocolate chip or cookie dough, something in that realm. The whole pint? <laughs> yeah, Dude. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's so much dairy. <laughs> what races are you running? <laughs> <laughs> not a whole lot recently, but, you know, when the time comes, maybe I'll let, maybe it'll change for Mohican Laundry mm-hmm. this summer for me. We'll see. <laughs> uh, night, night before is usually when I'm finally looking at the weather forecast and, you know, trying to decide what clothes I'm getting out. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And kind of going off that, do you have any awesome post-race rituals or anything that you like to indulge in after a race? Chips. <laughs> for and sure. Again, Again, I can like kind? put away a whole bag of chips after I run a race, mm-hmm. like a giant bag. Yeah, this well, it I like Pringles a lot, but this time we had I was just eating whatever we had in the car. It was pita chips this time, mm. plain but good. Yeah, and see, you say you can put away a whole bag of chips after a race. I that's just kind of like Tuesday for me, and I think this is kind of like <laughs> the difference in. There's a reason why you're finishing at the front of these things. Chips are good. Yeah. Chips are good on Tuesday. Chips are good after 50 milers. No judgment. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can judge Cam a little bit here. It's, it's okay. <laughs> uh, this is one of our favorite questions that Regeneration uh, loves the most. You know, if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, uh, what would yours be? Yeah, I had to look up what a walk-up song was. Forgive me, I'm not familiar <laughs> with baseball. <laughs> so mine is definitely going to be Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf. For oh, sure. I don't think I know that one. Yeah, my dad's a big Meatloaf fan. I think that was the first CD I ever owned as a kid was he got me Meatloaf Greatest Hits. <laughs> I grew up listening to that. So we add all of the songs from our Regeners Live guests onto a Spotify playlist. So I'm excited that this edition is now going to be on the playlist because I think it's going to be an awesome one. Long, it's like nine minutes long. Oh, Do we have to play the whole yeah. song for you? Walk up, <laughs> only a little bit of it. I'd be walking for a long time. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is quite the playlist, to be frank, especially now with that edition. You know, because we've got the Rocky soundtracks, and then you know, like we've got some Liz Andros' songs on there. It's just, it's all over the place. Tanner Lee threw some personal music on because that's what you can do if you win OBU and you run 140 miles. So I don't even know how we found it. I didn't think it was, I didn't think other people could put, I thought it was just us who could put music on it. He cracked the code. He cracked the code. I, but, I think uh, he cracked my Spotify account, actually. <laughs> well, well, we'll get your password changed, Cam. No worries about that. Uh, back to the questions. You know, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they couldn't keep up with you, but they could for this run, who would you run with and where would it be? David Allen Sibley. And we're going anywhere where there's good birding so he can tell me everything that he sees while we're running. And we're bringing our binoculars. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That Great answer. Awesome. I I hope to God Michael Owen is listening right now. <laughs> Who's Michael Owen? <laughs> he's uh, he's a friend of ours. So fun fact, um, derogatorily, a thing that he would say about some of our trail runs if we're going like particularly slow, just to kind of like rib us a little bit. 
because that's what he thinks is motivational. We'll be like, oh, were you guys like bird watching? Like, did you bring the binoculars? So that's that's a quite a nice crossover moment there. Michelle would be quick enough to bird watch and run an ultra and win it. So um. yeah, if you're if you're bird watching, I learned the hard way. You have to stop running if you see a bird that you want to look at more closely. Otherwise, you're going to eat it real badly. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And well, one final question here: uh, Do you have any sponsors or anyone you want to say thank you to? No sponsors, but I'll thank my parents and my coach and all of the West Michigan trail runners. So kind of going off that real quick, because I think it's kind of interesting when people say that they uh, have a coach, you know, how big of a, how's that uh, person been in your life and in your training uh, over the course of you having them? Yeah. So I, I started working, I work with um, David Roche and Swap. And so I started working with him after Bandera in 2020. So it's been a little over a year now. And for me, I think it's been really helpful just for my running because I I didn't come from a competitive running background. So a lot of the stuff that he has me doing is just stuff that I never would have even thought of. So I think um, like some of the workouts and stuff, um, I probably would have never gotten to on my own. And I think it's going to make me a lot better runner in time. Plus he's just a nice guy and it's really nice to, you know, have someone to talk to your running about. I really enjoyed it for the past year. It's been a big positive in my life and my running. That's awesome. I'm sure everyone with a coach uh, that has one that they enjoy can relate to that. And I think it's kind of been neat to hear, you know, how certain guests have coach and uh, I think it kind of does lead to some successes in the sport. So uh, we always love kind of hearing that and kind of who the person is. So thank you so much for joining us tonight at Red Runners Live, Michelle. This was a lot of fun uh, hearing about your big turtle race where you were the overall winner and the new women's course record holder. Uh, we're super excited to see you go out to Western State this year. Uh, finish top 10. You can go win the thing. We're excited to see uh, what happens out there. Uh, as always, thank you guys so much for watching this. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this, hit the like button. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, we'll be back next week with another, another episode of Red Runners Live. Until then, we'll see you on the next one. Have a good night, guys. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning into another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook. Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava club so you can get mentioned in the Strava rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rose Nation. Nation.